episode, I speak with Suad, who is one of the Manchester College's ILT champions. And I'm just going to have to kick off with my apologies because I performed a schoolgirl error by not confirming with Suad how to pronounce her name. This is really not like me, as many of my students would confirm if they were on this platform with me. So, Suad, please accept my public apologies for my ignorance. Moving on, Suad and I had a really in-depth chat about the various EdTech tools that she uses to deliver English, maths and ICT to her adult ESOL students. I suspect many functional skills teachers will enjoy listening to Suad as much as I enjoyed interviewing her since she has experimented with several EdTech tools. In addition to sharing the names of these tools, she elaborates on their uses, whether it be for formative assessment or to encourage memory recall. Let's go! I'd like to welcome our current ILT champion from our ESOL department at the Manchester College. She, like a number of us, has taught through the pandemic and will now move to teaching in whichever model the future requires. And I say that because I, for one, will be going back into the classroom, but side, I'm, I definitely want to talk to you about the intentions of your area. So great to have you here, Saad. Hello, thank you. Yes, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited about this. Thank you. Can you, first of all, maybe introduce yourself to our listeners and provide them with a little context on the learners that you teach and the subjects that you deliver? Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm an ESOL tutor and I work in the Northern campus. And so I work with students that um, have English as a second language. But it's not just isolated. With, it's not just English that um, we teach. We also teach maths and IT and employability. So it's, it's a quite a broad program um, that they get throughout the year, quite a broad curriculum. Um, so, um, yes, those are the type of students. So they come from all over the world, actually, um, but primarily at the moment, um, a lot of Syrian, Iraqi, and we do have a lot of students coming from um, Pakistan as well, and um, and also um, Iran, Iran, quite a few students from Iran. Brilliant. And so is the, do you find that as quite a challenge or I imagine because you, you deliver in English, maths, IT, employability, is, is that quite a challenge to deliver to such a broad range of audience, I suppose, as to call our students that? Yeah, I mean, it, it is at first we think about what you're delivering over a year. But um, in fact, when we teach maths, we're not teaching maths as we would teach um, somebody like, like children or, or adults that are learning particular um, maths curriculum. We're actually teaching um, what I sometimes call math, um, math. English. So Manglish is maths with English. So students do know these basic math skills, but they just don't know it in English. And it's the same with IT and also um, with a bit of employability. A lot of these students have worked in their home country, but they just not they just don't know the language that's attached to that um, core topic. So um, even though I am teaching maths, um, it's really Manglish that we're teaching, just helping them to access the maths. They know it better. Um, and so the levels that we do teach here at um, the Manchester College starts from pre-entry, sort of working towards entry one, and then entry one, entry two, entry three, and then going up to the level ones and twos. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So that's across six levels. I love that. Yeah. Manglish. I love mm. that. And we do find, you know, because I, I, I deliver in um, our mainstream curriculum areas and we do find with regards to math, sometimes that is the drawback, even for our um, English speaking students, really. And um, it's, it's the language of what been asked from that question so they might actually understand how to find the answers from the equation but what is the actual content being being asked of them Um, and and that's really really important so 
you are the ILT champion. Yes, I am. Um, congratulations. Thank you. How long have you been in post now? Wow, it's been um, almost three years now, actually. Has three it? Years. Yeah, it'll be three years uh, in January. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were newly appointed. I don't know why. I must have got my information wrong. Well, for the ILT position, that was um, this year. I was appointed this year. But actually working in the ESOL department, I started back in um, 2019. So, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Good stuff. Okay. So, um, you've been involved in so much. I wondered if you could tell us a bit of background and how you became interested in EdTech then. Right. So, um, so basically, so it's really actually just started when, when I started working for the Manchester College um, and when I joined the ESOL department, which, like I said, is almost three years ago now. Um, some of the tutors wanted help with their IT. It was just some basic things like um, with, with Office, uh, MS Office, some apps, some teaching tools that I, I was using in my classroom, um, such as Kahoot, just some technical problems they were having or some questions about the best way to utilise it. So there were just some basic questions that came up with um, some of the tutors here in, um, in, in Northenden. And then COVID happened. <laughs> so a lot changed then, didn't it? Um, yeah, you can relate to that, Stacey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I basically became this sort of unofficial designated person, um, you know, for um, who to go to to talk about any um, IT help and teams became the, the focus. And so um, I'm not I'm not a specialist. <laughs> um, you know, I don't I know very little about computers, put it that way, but I know a great deal about how to operate one. And so um, because I have that working knowledge of a computer um, and also I guess I'm quite intuitive, to be honest, Mm. I kind of know where to go, what what could be the problem just from, you know, having used computers. Um, um, Yeah, I just I was approached, uh, you know, by the tutors here and was helping them through their um, IT needs, their digital skills needs. Yeah. Brilliant. And I suppose that's that's how we do become specialists in, in one area or another. Um, if you if you actually love something and you're, you're just intrigued by it, that inquisitiveness just propels you to, to investigate more and more, doesn't it? And for that's you, right. you've been rewarded for that. So that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So. And so I'm so, yeah, I so I then it was really my manager that sort of suggested that I, the post came up for the IOT champion. And so based on what I what my performance over 20, uh, 2019 and 20, he sort of suggested I should probably go for this role, which I did in January. And um, I was happy to say I got the job. Absolutely fantastic. That's that's a role that I did back in the day as well, actually, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, it wasn't it, it was just being about wanting to find out more and and to help people, like you say. So I, I'll certainly be turning to you now because you you do. How much permission do you get? You get a little bit of time, don't you? To be able I to do. do so initially, um, it was half a day, but it, it is a day. It is a full day. Okay. Good stuff. Okay. Um, so could you share how maybe you used any ed tech tools in your teaching? Is there any that you like, prefer over others? or? Um, uh, well, for starters, I, I mean, Teams was is, is fantastic. I think that Teams has come along a long way from when it was initially. Do you remember sort of before COVID started? It was quite... Quite basic. I wasn't sure about the platform itself, um, but with all the updates we had through Microsoft and the upgrades, everything else they've done to improve the platform, uh-huh. I absolutely love it now. I really, really do. It's it's the first thing that pops up on my laptop when I open it up. It's the first thing mm-hmm. I go to, actually, when I want to check what's happening at college, if I've got any messages from, from tutors or managers. And it's just, it's really grown in me. And I think it's really grown in my my, my students as well. Um, it's their first port of call. And so um, through that and with the introduction of breakout rooms, that's been fantastic in terms of changing um, the landscape of online teaching. Um, it's, you know, helped students really engage when we were in the middle of the lockdowns, um, which was, seems so long ago when we think about it. But it, it wasn't. It's just, 
Wow, it's yeah. So um, absolutely a huge fan of Teams much more. I, I mean, I know some some tutors were using Zoom um, initially. Mm-hmm because of the break, breakout room function and, and things like that. But I think Teams has, has uh, surpassed that now. I think it's a lot more, lot more, um, it's a lot more stable as well, I feel, and um, user-friendly. I also use quizzes. Um, so, I don't know, if you, do you, have you used quizzes? It's very similar to Kahoot. Yes, yes. It, but, yeah, yeah that's, that's really brilliant for more sort of for, for grammar exercises, especially in English. So, um, I've used that. Padlet, really fantastic for vocab building. Um, and sort of in getting students to uh, collaborate. Um, yeah. The other thing I always use is MS Forms. Now, um, Forms is just, God, I've used it for almost everything. <laughs> I've used it for, you know, finding out what their favourite colour is to, you know, an actual formative assessment. You know, it's just, um, it's brilliant. Um, Mentimeter is my favourite. I absolutely love it. And very um, recently, and I think I did speak to you about it, it was a word war. I'm, it's great for classroom. Now, I always sort of thought a bit more of uh, for lower levels because I teach intermediate entry three, intermediate level. So um, there are tasks on there for, for that level, but I just thought the, the slow pace of word, word wall and, you know, how sort of set up with the colours and just the interactive bit, I just thought, well, probably be more suitable for lower levels. But I have used it and I've, I've and the students loved it. Um, so that's brilliant. I was yeah. using initially when I first started um, Triptico. Don't know if you know. Well, uh, yeah, because when you mentioned Wordwall, I was thinking, I wonder if she knows about Triptico. But I, I, I mean, I used to, I used to love Triptico. But recently, I feel like Wordwall's taken over Triptico because yeah. they're very similar. What are you thinking? Well, I had a lot of lessons. Um, saved <clears throat> excuse me on triptico uh-huh. um a wealth of things actually that i inherited from the previous entry three uh, tutor and uh-huh. uh, things i adapted on there but what happened was that um, i don't know something happened with i think it was to do with the flash plugins or something but they have yes. um they've become a bit redundant so you literally have to download an app onto your desktop yeah. now which is not according to Apple computer such like on iMac, so particularly secure. So I was really hesitant about having this on my desktop at home. Um, initially, just to sort of find those um, lessons again and maybe adapt, you know, adapt it for the, uh, for the next cohort of students. But I don't know. I just found it was really hard to use. What's your take on it? Yeah, I completely agree um, to the point where I, I... I, being a DLBC champion, I got with other DBLC champions to try and fathom it. And now I've been told that actually the app is being reversed and it's going back to being online. So no need to worry. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> no need to worry about all that if it, if it goes through. But, yeah, it became a little bit more complex. And the app, I mean, I managed to download it because I, I'm, I'm on a Lenovo laptop and it seemed to to accept it, but it was just too complicated to figure out. Whereas, like you, I've got a lot of resources that are saved on the old version, and my students loved it. How were your students um, receptive to a couple of these programs that you've mentioned? So have you used WordWall with your students? I have, and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. They loved it. They just wanted more. specifically do you use? Um, So I've used, yeah, this the... The spinning wheel is mm-hmm. a great one for recapping on stuff. And um, the matching one as well was good. Um, and the gap fill, there was a gap fill one, I remember. Um, but I was kind of late in the game, Stacey, um, in using and utilizing the benefits of WordFall because I was looking at, because um, they were coming up to the end of the year, just in term three, it was that late. I started to really, uh, you know, deep dive into WordFall and um I needed stuff to get them to revise at home, some sort of things to do in the classroom, sort of revision stuff. And that's where it became useful because I can review the past simple and it's a game, it's interactive. They've forgotten some things, but they, you know, it helped to sort of reinforce stuff. Um, I haven't got to the point where I'm designing my own stuff yet. I was borrowing from, (laughs) from other, other, you know, um, 
But they that's have what we all do, teachers, don't we? That we're magpies. But so, so you you actually used Wordwall as a homework tool as well as in the classroom. Is that what you're saying to me? Yes. Yes. I did. That's brilliant. Um, and then just going back to Teams, I agree, Teams is fantastic. Today, I actually saw that you can continue with a PowerPoint presentation. So, you know, if you ever stopped presenting and then you showed, I don't know, WordWall, if we, if we stick with WordWall, and then you wanted to go back to you, your PowerPoint in the past, you had to start from the beginning and skip through. Well, now yeah, you've got the yeah. option to just continue yeah. with the PowerPoint. This is what I love about Microsoft. Off, they just update it constantly overnight there's a new surprise <laughs> yeah it's true it's true they've really they've done they've done well i think they've just understood the market that there's a massive need in this and teams was it was either teams or is zoom i guess their competitor but they've no i really um it's brilliant i don't know if there's any other alternatives other than zoom to teams yeah well there's google as well isn't there so um oh i guess google classroom yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Google Classroom, and I'm I'm just trying to think what their platform's called for the the actual videos. Um, I can't remember. It escapes me now. But yeah, there's 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 Google, there's there's Teams, there's there's Skype still. I mean, we got rid of Skype, but there is Skype. Uh, I do. <laughs> um, uh, it's not quite yeah, the it's not on the team level, is it? Let's be no. let's be real. Um. Okay. So going back, because you've mentioned about WordWall, you're using it, you know, for um, recapping as well as gap filling. So thinking about formative assessments, mm-hmm. do you have a preferred tool then? Because you've, you've mentioned quite a few here. Is there one that you, is more you go to? Is it Microsoft Forms, You would you say? Um, so um, for Forms is brilliant. I think Forms also is a great educational tool. It's fantastic. It's so diverse. You can do pretty much, like I said, everything, anything, almost, you can you can put into your Forms. There are some limitations. Mm-hmm. You can't get um, video play. Um, is it video play? No, you can get video play. Sorry, it's something else. What was it? Um, I couldn't, you know, that was it. You can't sort of add an audio clip. An audio, just audio, not video. So you can in, you can add a YouTube video onto forms and get students to answer questions based on the video, and they can pause and recap. Um, but you can't add an audio file on That's MS Forms. Um, and for me, as a, as a language teacher, um, I have quite a lot of audio files that don't necessarily have image, you know, video attached to it, and so. Um, what I did to go around that, I then created and opened up a YouTube account um, and I um, uploaded a, the audio with, with an image, created a video and then uploaded onto YouTube and then use that link to connect to, to MS Forms. That's how I've gone around it. So they um, so when they hear the audio, they just see an image of something which is, you know, related to, to what they're, they're learning. So, yeah, it's been great formative assessments, uh, progress tests, grammar, even spelling, would you believe? I actually did spelling tests <laughs> with my students on, on MS Forms. Now, ask me I how I did that. that. Ask me how I did that first. How did you do that, sir? <laughs> I know, because you expect them to cheat, right? You think, oh, my God, spelling tests on forms, they're going to cheat. So I, I got I, you can use sort of um, time restrictions, you see which is really, really handy in the settings. And so obviously it's going to release it at the time of the lesson. So I'd have the lesson going, online lesson, and I'll pop the um, the link into the chat. And I'll just sort of say, you know, ask them first, you need to be honest, etc. You know, uh, don't get the phone out, start cheating and things like that. Um, and, um, and then I sort of uh, put a time restriction on it so they're not spending too long. And then I can sort of have a look at the times and, you know, how long they took as well. And then they can just submit it and, and then get instant feedback, mm-hmm. which is great. So that's why MS Forms is brilliant, because you it's easy to mark it's um, and check. And also um, with MS Forms, um, you can, they can use it on their phones. You yes. know, it's, it's really adaptable, easy brilliant. for mobile phones. The other one I've used for um, sort of, I guess it's with, um, you can... Um, you can use quizzes as well for the same reason. I've done progress tests using quizzes, uh, yeah. the grammar. So I kind of focus uh, with quizzes. I really focus on grammar for that because I think that's really good for grammar, um, multiple choice questions, things like that. Um, 
So just to sort of shake it up a bit, not to have just forms all the time, quizzes is quite good on the phone and quite nice um, and easy to set up. Um, so, yeah, so those two I've used online. Okay. And I'm just, because you've given me so much there, can I just say the go around that you've done with the YouTube account, Genius, well done you. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a brilliant idea. Did you have to put an image on, I wondered though, or would it accept, would it accept without, or were you just thinking about it being visually pleasing? Uh, you don't have to have to, if I remember. I, I mean, I chose an image because um, some of the audio files, um, it's, it's sort of related to the course book that I use in, cl- in the classroom with my students. So I've got, you know, a bank of audio files, which are really useful that are, that are linked to some of the text that I'm using, the reading text and, um, and you know, the whole lesson. So it was about food and drink. So um it was nice to have an image of food and drinks, you know, sort of there mm-hmm. while they're listening to the audio. So they're sort of um, able to contextualise it into, you know, what it's about. Is, you know, is it in the restaurant? Is it cooking in the kitchen? Whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So um, I, if I remember correctly, I had to. I think I had to use an image. Um, okay. Yeah, I remember. Okay, that's all right. That was just for me to know, really. And when you've sort of like delivered tests for mm-hmm. progress tests or anything, um, yeah. Because you're using quizzes, the platform quizzes to, to deliver that and they're choosing multiple choices. How does that translate when it comes to them writing a sentence or a paragraph? Uh, are you seeing are you seeing improvements? Does it work basically? Okay. Yeah. So there are limitations to sort of multiple choice questions, MCQs. Um you are sort of it's like an MOT, you're just testing what they what 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 the car's like at that time, you know, it may they may end up forgetting later but um it is buildable so you can sort of start with more simple questions and sort of build up to more complex ones you have the option to put a few sort of um trapdoors in there you know mistakes errors potential errors that typically come up for students for those types of questions and i do use it predominantly for grammar and i've also used it for vocabulary in the sense of definition or meaning of vocabulary I don't use writing. Um, writing at the moment, um, I well, initially I was accepting sort of paper things written on paper, but then I'm um, uh, at sort sort of around term two, I started to make the shift towards using assignments. Mm-hmm. which is a tool inside teams where they can write something and then submit it yeah um so um so quizzes have really limited to just grammar and vocabulary and tradition i've always really um when i am doing grammar tests and things i, I it's it's mostly mcqs mostly so i think for me now it just brings up a question of i understand that you probably use quizzes just for grammar but then how do they move on to translate that into using those new vocabulary that they've learned? So, you know, when it comes to their assignments, yeah. are you seeing that they're including these new vocabulary that you've taught them? Um, so, very good question. So, this is just testing their learning, What, what you know, for me to have an idea of what they have picked up in the teaching. So, it's just a, just a quick test to see whether they've actually picked up the learning or not. Um, anything that comes out of that, any data that comes out, for example, if they're really not getting the, the future forms well, then we, I can revisit. I have that chance to revisit. So it does inform me about my teaching. And so um, I can use that, um, that knowledge that I gained from the test to then go over it in class or online. And it does translate into writing because um, if, you know, Everything is, when we're teaching ESA, we're teaching everything alongside. So we're teaching grammar, we're teaching vocab, we're teaching writing, we're doing listening and reading. They all sort of go along a bit like a horse race. You know, sometimes we're yeah. the, the horse that's going ahead is the grammar, but, you know, writing catches up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's that sort of uh, game that we're playing, actually, in the classroom. And um, and it's incremental, too. It's 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 kind of buildable as well and um you know it's about ensuring that foundation is solid when they come in and um, that sort of tight revision that we do at the beginning of the year to make sure they're all at the same uh, level uh, playing field and then building on what they know and reviewing and then building on what they know and then reviewing so that's sort of how we we teach 
here in Eastall. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these sort of, like I said, these grammar quizzes, they're just like an MOT, checking if they're, the engine's working, <laughs> you know, for grammar, if they've really got what's um, what the lesson was about and then revisiting anything. So they're just progress tests. Um, uh, spelling, for example, is something that's come up a lot in ESOL. Um, and um, so we do, even even though I was teaching online, um, some spelling tests as well with them and um, building on what they know as well. Sorry, that Brilliant. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it actually does. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it does. I like the idea that it's um, an MOT. <laughs> yeah, um, no, and it gives us an idea. I mean, they don't always pass, but it's something to consider and help us to review and just continue. And so we always, we're having to always, every sort of half term, we're doing some sort of test just to, you know, whether it's spelling, grammar, see or whether up to. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's good practice, isn't it? Um, I just wanted to ask you, because you mentioned about using the assignments with them. Now, because these are ESOL students, some people might argue that ESOL students find it far more difficult to um, interact with different platforms and and really get the most out of it. Uh, what's, what's your opinion on that? Well, um, so... So what I found was that it really depends on the level. It really, really does. So you've got some students, um, maybe at the lower levels, that would find accessing assignments or doing anything on Teams quite quite difficult. Um, but I've got sort of entry three, which is intermediate. So they would have had some IT experience already couple of years and so they for me they're just they're just primed they're ready to really have their IT digital skills challenged a bit so um, at the beginning I remember last year right at the beginning of the year everyone was just sending me their homework by email which is not as you can imagine productive mm. at all is it it's not at all productive no. mm-hmm. um, and crazy for me it's like, <laughs> like you know um, so I knew I knew that had to had to stop I, I mean um, what they were receiving at entry two was that they could um, respond, reply on Teams, they can use the chat function, they can um, access the meeting through calendar, though some did forget, but they were able to sort of join a meeting um, and, and, and then use the chat function in the meeting, and that was about it. So, um, and they were submitting their homework uh, by email at entry two. So I, had to, I knew I had to move them away from that. Mm-hmm. So I started to, um, you know, do things very slowly um, from from emails to post, you know, sending it to me through emails to sending it to me through Teams, through the actual channels, which I um, put them into groups and they had to submit their homeworks and, you know, through the channel by adding an attachment. And then it was just moving them across onto assignments. So I started a very simple, I can't remember what the first one I did. I think it was just, um, um, it was something to reply. Um, and some of them were using only their phone. There's a few of them. So we were, we were still waiting for their um, iPad or laptop to appear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were really good. And sometimes I think we forget that students, you know, um, like children can surprise you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we make these assumptions about them. But, you know, you just need to sometimes just throw them at the deep end and just see what happens. And so I just tested it by just assigning everybody uh, to a task on Teams. And it wasn't a huge task. I didn't sort of get them to do something massive. It was just a simple task that re- required them to respond. And so... Um, we had a little mini lesson online because we were in lockdown at that time about using T, um, the assignments. And then um, I let them have a go. And I got 80, about 80 percent of them managed to do it. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's so um, good. Those that couldn't was mostly those who were using their phone now because I had to show them what, what, what it looked like in, an, in a on a laptop and so then I mm. had to adapt and then posted what those images you know what it looks like on a phone mm. so yeah they did really well um, and um, it was just one thing small thing to do every week and then I built it up and if I tell you what to have a quick look a reminder of this actually we did in assignments let me see how many just find their channel again God, we did so many assignments in the end. Let me see. So it oh sounds God, like they got through. God, well over 20. Wow. Yeah. 
and it got more complex and complex. So then I sort of diversified it. And also you can uh, put an MS Forms link inside assignments and get them to, to do it and then return. So, yeah, it was it was really good. Um, good response. And obviously it made um, marking a lot easier, a lot faster. Yeah. As well. Brilliant. Very innovative. I don't know about you, Thor, but I'm going back into the classroom, as I mentioned earlier. What's what's intended for your area? Are you going back in? Yes, we are. We're going to be going back into the classroom. We were sort of um, on site over the COVID period, um, uh, one day a week. So we had one day a week with students. I don't know what it was like in your department. Did you have one day a week with students? No, um, so it, it changed. Um, it depended on which 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 time of the year it was. So initially, we were all face to face, then we went back online, and then we went back face to face, and then it was fully face to face. I think, but some some classrooms had split screen technology because you know there's there's, there's large numbers on in our departments, and mm-hmm. to make sure that there were social distance etc etc and then obviously if there were students who were off for whatever reasons they could maybe log into Microsoft Teams at the same time so there was a lot of different ways to access learning for our students but this academic year the intention is that everyone's going back on site the, the work that we've done that that's been done with the government and and vaccinating everyone should reduce the need to be off and so I think as teachers we're probably hoping that we might have one method of teaching of Mm. delivery that's needed I'm just wondering really I asked you that question because I'm wondering are you intending on using edtech in your classroom space still is there anything that you're going to carry over yes yes so it's um so what we're doing is Students will be back four days a week, which is what they, um, th- sorry, the hours they're given is four days. So they're back to 12 hours a week, which is what um, ESOL um, students allocated, um, 12 hours a week. But um, three days will be face-to-face. Okay. And then one day will be uh, the directed learning. Uh-huh. Do you remember we did the on, uh, directed learning, which is really um, sort of self-study um, but sort of directed by the teachers, something that I have to give them to do yeah. um, for the day. So that is going to still continue. So um, I'm hoping to use that time um, to do some stuff on Teams with them. But I will be using the tools that we've picked up over the, over the past few years, uh, you know, in the classroom to continue to do that in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the sort of the programme for the ESOL students. Brilliant. And this next question, I suppose you've you've touched on it a little bit when you were talking to me about assignments, but if we think a little bit wider, how have you really supported your students um, to build their confidence in the use of EdTech? Because, you know, I, I've, I've taught across many different departments and many different students, and some students do feel more positive about using technology in the learning and there are still the others who might shy away from mm-hmm. engaging with ed tech what what approach might you take to support them okay um so uh, again i think it depends on the level and the background um it is a mixed bag in esol so we've got some people who are really good with um with it you know they've been educated maybe to a university level in their country, in their home country. Um, so it's easy for them to make that transfer over. Others, some of them, I've got students that never really went to high school. Um, and so, um, yeah, and so uh, they're really sort of working at a different pace and a, a different degree, if you like. And, and even some older students, um, you know, that may not have had that um, tech you know, don't even have a, a smartphone, for example, things like that. So it does yeah. depend on the level and depends on the background a great deal. So I kind of take it um, each year as it comes. So I just really have a look at the cohort that I've got for the year and then make some decisions of, of how I'm going to do that. So um, I know that some of the older students will, might feel worried, but they're really quite good at sort of touch screens and things like that. So mm. it would be ensuring that whatever 
online thing that I give them involves that them being able to access it on their phone if they've got a smartphone um, or there is the library in that sense if they want to if it's anything more but um, uh, and uh, so yeah so that so it would be using technology which they already have access to mobile phones especially um, it's again like I said it's step by step it's you know those um, sort of uh, building on what they know from before so I'm teaching IT um, this year so for the ICT lessons it's you know we start really from the basic what 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 is this I mean a lot of them don't really use desktops actually it's funny we're teaching on desktops oh. for IT but it's it's redundant isn't it almost that's, that's, five yeah. years I'm giving it when five years about it. <laughs> okay um, but yeah so um yeah, it's just reintroducing that and clicking. People really find clicking or, you know, using a mouse quite challenging. So um, one thing I used to do in IT was get them buddied up with another another student and then let them work together. So it'd be sort of differentiation techniques to use for IT. And the same with any homework I deliver. It would just be either incremental step-by-step um, -step stuff and also getting them to, um, which is the plan for this year, actually. I'm hoping to group my students um, so that um, I want to for them to use the directed learning for more collaborative work on mm -hmm. Padlet, um, on Jamboard, but more specific to the group, okay. uh, because when it was just uh, a Padlet for the whole um, morning class, you know, it wasn't as productive as I wanted. There's people, you know, people were using it, people in contributing, but there are a few quiet ones as well. So yeah. putting them into groups and um, separating them into groups and getting them to, you know, do Padlets and, and, and giving them one link for one group and get them to collaborate on the day they're supposed to be at home or off um, is what I'm sort of working towards. I'm trying to move them away from just work, you know, that individual you and the screen thing mm -hmm. that they've had this past year because I didn't really um, get them to collaborate as much as I wanted to. Breakout rooms was great, but there's other things they can do. We did do a bit of Jamboard. Have mm -hmm. you used that before on Google? I have, yes. That's brilliant. Yeah, That's really good. It's it's good to be. I, I, I like Jamboard because it's a bit of a, a giant flip chart paper. That's what I would I refer to it as with my students, that they can even um, go and have a little peek at what the other groups are doing. You know, so if they've all if sometimes I put the same question on different pages. Mm -hmm. And so if they they'll have time to be able to go back and forth to see what others are doing just to encourage that that competition that level of competition but also to just spark the imagination so if one one group is struggling and they just steal one idea it, it just lets the imagination flow sometimes yeah. Um, so yeah I, I like Jamboard I like it for a few different reasons yeah there's also a whiteboard, isn't there? There's the Microsoft whiteboard that you could use. Um, I've had problems with the whiteboard, I'll be honest. Uh -oh. I, I really on, have. I, 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 I don't know what the... I, I, I found it was um, quite difficult because there were some students accessing it, using it, even though they might have had their device with them, they still accessed it on their phone. And it's really not easy on a phone uh, right. to write. And it gets and it shifts and moves um, just suddenly. So I did sort of try to control that. And um, you can limit interactions, can't you? But it was it was quite challenging in a, in, in a group of sort of it was about eight to 10 students just to manage that. Um, but I know that is it Kahoot? Not mm -hmm. tried it yet, but there is another interactive whiteboard. I think, All right. By the makers of Kahoot. Okay. Am I wrong? I can't remember the name. I, mm, I'm not sure with that one. Um, but yeah, going to back to the, it. the Microsoft mm, on. one, I don't know. I use the app rather than, I don't know if you use the whiteboard through Teams, but I use it through the the, the application. So you, you've got a, an a desktop application that you can have for the whiteboard as well. And I don't know, maybe it's a zoom in, zoom out thing if, if they're mm -hmm. clicking all over the place. But that's really interesting. I'm just trying to think. I, oh, I also like Miro, which is brilliant. But that's, you know, that's going to be another another conversation because there's so much more you can do on that. It's amazing. Yeah, um, Miro. I'll look into it. 
Yeah, Miro, M-I-R-O. And as a teacher, you can get unlimited boards, and you'll understand what I mean when you Google it. Um, But they do want evidence that you are a teacher. But it's worth it. I've done it, and it it is brilliant. So you've given me quite a lot there. I want to just consider... For you, is there anything that you are planning to try or experiment within your classroom this year, this academic year? Yeah, I'm going to try, um, like I said, get them to collaborate together online a bit more during their directed learning. Um, Because, uh, and also create more channels because I think the grouping I did was too large last time and so there are some students not engaging Um, so definitely more collaboration and to really extend the types of tools for the collaboration so obviously Padlet, Jamboard is one Um, I'm thinking what else I can do but uh, sort of working on something that will involve them getting together uh, especially for employability and other, um, something else that we teach employability um, there's lots of things that they need to do and they can work together and support each other on mm-hmm. some of the questions and um, I think that would be a good thing to do. I'm hesitant to sort of, um, I don't know, maybe, I mean, for them to, I've got the choice, the option of actually getting them to come on site to do stuff, but they can also go home. But I'm not sure whether I would create a breakout room for them to communicate. I'd have to oversee that. And the directed learning is really for them to get on with themselves and for me just to send something out there. Um, So um, that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, um, Can I just ask you then, um, in terms of the channels, because you're saying you're thinking you might create more channels because the, the grouping wasn't quite right. What are you thinking? Can you expand a little bit more on that? Sure. So um, at the beginning of the year, we do the diagnostic um, the diagnostic assessment to see where they exactly are after the summer because some students um, do forget and, you know, just to see where they are and where their weaknesses and strengths are. Yeah. And then from that diagnostic, I'm going to group them according to um, where, you know, according to their ability, but also where I feel they would probably work well together. So um, it'll give me about a week to sort of see what their personality is like and whether I can group them and sort of with all those bits of information, create um, small groups for them to work. And I'm hoping that they'll stick together for the whole year. Um, And with those groupings, they can... um, then work on tasks together and help and support each other. Because I think that was what was really lacking because it was too broad. It was the whole of the morning group and then the whole of the afternoon group working together. But then I was getting quite a lot of emails from students that weren't really, um, probably they were not um, relying on their students, uh, other students to sort of, you know, their first port of call should be someone that you know in the classroom before you approach your teacher. So it's kind of helping them become more independent and to uh, work more with with the resources they have in front of them. The person, you know, the other classmate in the room is a like resource. That. And mm. so it's just something I was thinking that came up last year being a really unprecedented year. Um, and I'd like to sort of get them to be more independent and to, yeah. I always find, I, I like that. I like that a lot. And I, because I've taught across um, 16 to 18, I've taught apprentices, I've taught adults, and I've always found that adults do skip that, crit- I would say the critical friendship groups, really. And they, te- they do seem to skip that. So when I've taught them in the past, that's always been our rule. So there's, there's a few steps that you take before you come and talk to the teacher, because they, I, I don't know whether it's the way that they were taught back in the day or just whether they believe that we have all the answers but between them they can't they they have so much knowledge as well and it's highlighting that to them isn't it the, it the collaboration is. does need need to happen as a group but I, I like that idea that you might actually create small groups that really carry mm. the, each other through out yes. the course that's what yes. you're saying really isn't it yes because i yeah. recognize that was missing I, I mean i just felt that it was missing and um but it was also because with the ESOL students, um, I think how they were taught at school in the home country, um, it, they were taught to, well, first the chairs faced, the t- you know, the tables and chairs faced the teacher, didn't they? They were very formal set up in the classroom. 
if you imagine that from the 50s and 60s you know how the chairs were arranged then like in an exam room if you can imagine that um and you know it's everything is the teacher so it's the teacher that you speak to it's the teacher that helps you it's the teacher that knows the answer but they forget that there are the people in the room that can help and so um it's especially important in ESOL because once they get to level one, which is after entry three, intermediate level, level one, the amount of work, um, the amount of uh, time, independent time just increases sort of massively. And independent study and also working with teams is ever more important. And so it's preparing them for that really and also preparing them for university if they do go down that route because at university you're you're pretty much left on your own today I think mm, yeah it? there's no hand holding is there there's really? no hand holding which yeah. there shouldn't be to be honest so yes whilst they're with us it's important that we give them all the tools that they need to be able to succeed definitely right okay I don't know how you feel about this question but it is my final well it's not my final question final final question but it's my final question I just want to I feel like a number of teachers might have a bit of ed tech anxiety when it comes to returning to delivering in the classroom because you know we were all thrusted into um, delivering online and and I think the majority of teachers swam you know they did really really well but now we're going back into the classroom mm -hmm. do you think that they might struggle a little bit and if they do what what could they really um think about that could help them to overcome any anxiety that they might be feeling um for the for the tutors the teachers for the teachers yeah standing yeah. in front of the classroom I know it's going to be different because, yeah, for some for some tutors, if they've been really away from the classroom for what possibly eighteen months, a year to eighteen months, who knows? Um, it's going to be different, um, absolutely. And um, but it's funny because I think that um, from from um, my sense is that tutors have been a bit overwhelmed with the number of digital tools that they've been exposed to over the over the year. Um, and so there's a bit of um, info glut, you know, that sort of too much information that's come in. Um, I'm wondering how many of them are actually using the tools and, you know, from the from the CPDs and um, training they've had that they're actually using in the classroom. Um, sorry, um, that they were actually physically using. Um, but to sort of what I would say to them is um, I think the students will be just as worried, so not to worry for starters, because it is going to be strange coming back, especially to a full room um, after social distancing and mask wearing. Um, but I think it's a bit like riding a bike. You never really forget, mm. do you? And they're going to have to sort of build that trust back in, aren't they, uh, with anxious students as well. So, um just to take it easy and just do, I think, just back to the drawing board, just some simple icebreakers and um, some basic sort of uh, maybe some small games and things, not to sort of go in heavy, um, perhaps uh, something like that. I would also um, definitely continue with stuff on Teams. I wouldn't, you know leave teams out of it completely but ensure that everything is available on teams as well for any students that miss the lesson so previously before this uh, pandemic um, I would actually have a, a box where I'd keep or any worksheets that were for any students that were missing you know sometimes mm -hmm. had their name on it as well in the box and I would hand it out to students in class who who knew that other student and say oh make sure they get it everything is on teams now so it just continue that as well all the resources that you're working with for that week or to have it already on teams um, um, I would continue to even in the classroom use teams um, for questions you can still use all the digital tools um, Mentimeter one of my favorite actually do you know Mentimeter you mm -hmm. use that one yeah I do like that one yeah it's really easy to set up it's great for starters and plenaries it's it's got some great you know you could get real time and you can engage your students so continue to use the familiar tools that they've been that you've used um during the online lessons um but i guess the most point is just to have fun really and yeah just enjoy and take your time it's it's it, it you know um it's i think back to sort of reassuring the students and just to um yeah something like that i don't know <laughs> 
that's that's brilliant I think the only thing that I personally would add to that is because you've mentioned that there are so many tools to choose from maybe even just cut back to choosing using one or two tools and trying them out and getting accustomed to using them in front of the classroom because it's that nervousness isn't it with having the students there in front of them but yeah just just having that practice and I think even if you stuck to one or two sometimes the students do like a bit of repetition they like to know what's coming next in a way sometimes you might I don't know you might choose to use one or two of the same platforms just for three weeks or a term and then maybe progress to something else but I think you're right as long as you're having fun in that classroom and the students are having fun that will keep them engaged and and they should retain what it is that you're that you're delivering to them yeah you, absolutely yeah I absolutely agree and I would also add that before the pandemic I used to ask them to take their mobile phones off the table in their bag I would actually confiscate <laughs> mobile phones um, but now no just where is your mobile phone don't leave it at home <laughs> we have got Kahoot next you need your mobile phone <laughs> so that's going to be the new um, the new sort of situation in the classroom I, I would you know I want their mobile phones out obviously on silent still but definitely on the table um, and um, I don't see them as a, as a hindrance anymore to, to learning I see them as a tool a real value actually it can add value to the classroom and you can still play those games all things like mentimeter it's using your mobile phone quizzes all these things um they can do collaboratively in the classroom and you can do some on-spot checks and things using the device so yeah and i think i remember one student i think he was in openshaw that said this to me no it's tutor not student that he gets his students to bring in their laptops Mm. if they've got it and so um and he gets them to do work um it's, it's a, uh, yeah might be like yeah that, because i guess they could just log on as a guest couldn't they on onto yeah. the onto the network oh wow thank you so much so it's uh, it's been a brilliant podcast. You've shared so much information. I feel like I've learned oh, oh, thank you so much, Stacey, again for inviting me. This has been really, really good. Thank you. Oh, it's been pleasurable. So you've provided so much transferable ideas, I think, as well, to support teachers on using EdTech in the classroom. You've been awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. And hopefully I'll be able to get you back on again in the future. We'll see. Thank you. Thank you again. You've been listening to EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. All music and song was written by Alistair Rain. Our fabulous singer is our music student, Lily Hartley. Rick Longdon is on the piano and Rosie Fortune is our producer. Catch us next time on EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. <laughs>